0: Alright, let's pray, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the opportunity to gather here to get together today. Thank you because you always teach us by your Spirit. And dear Holy Spirit, we open our hearts to you. We give you the floor. We ask that you minister to our hearts and speak to us in the name of Jesus Christ. We take away take away every distraction from our hearts, and we we focus on you. Thank for all those that are yet to join us. Thank you because um, you're reminding them and bringing them together. Well, in Jesus' name, we prayed. Amen. 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 All right. So, like the topic says, um, we're looking at spiritual rest and refreshing. All right. Spiritual rest and refreshing. That's what we're looking at today. And well, as we as we go on, you see where. I got the phrase spiritual rest and refreshing. And also as a bonus, you know, um, we are also going to look at how to lead someone in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So uh, pretty much how how you as a person can lead someone into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? And yeah, so look at that at the later half of today's study. But I want to start with spiritual rest and refreshing. Okay. So let's turn to Matthew chapter eleven as a as a um, opening scripture. Matthew chapter eleven, verse 28, 8 to twenty to thirty. Matthew chapter eleven, verse twenty eight to thirty. All right. Um, let me read. Jesus Christ here was speaking and he said, come, to, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. So Jesus Christ here is giving an invitation and he says, come to me all of you that labor and are heavy laden, all right? And there's something that he's going to give unto you and he calls it to rest. So the prerequisite here again for receiving rest is that Jesus is for you to come to Jesus and He will give you rest, meaning he's the only one who has the who has the provision to give us rest as to give anybody rest, whether as a believer or an unbeliever. Right? So verse 29 says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my body is light. The emphasis here is that Jesus Christ said, Come unto me that. All you who, who labor and are uh, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Some translations say, Come to me, all of you who are weary, meaning who are who are tired. If you're experiencing some form of weariness and and tiredness, right? Jesus Christ said, Come to him. You remember in the book of Isaiah, it says, Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Before that, he says that the young man shall um, shall shall go weary and shall, shall get tired. He then says that those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. He says they shall walk and not they shall walk and not faint, they shall run and not be weary. So there's a possibility for human beings to be weary. And this tiredness is not a physical tiredness. It's not the tiredness of, oh, I went to work today, so I came back and I'm tired. It's not that tiredness. This is the tiredness of the soul. And look at what Jesus Christ said. Um... Take come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. A translation say, Okay, okay, so look at verse 29. It says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for am meek and lowly in heart. It says, And you shall find rest unto your souls. So Jesus Christ said, You will find rest unto your souls, meaning the tiredness is not a physical tiredness, it's a tiredness of the soul. And this is really important. We 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 um we know this because. It is possible for you to be tired. That's your soul to be weary and tired. And if you do not know and if you do not know how to deal with the tiredness, if you do not recognize when your soul is tired and you know how to deal with it, then it becomes a problem because the enemy would take a could take advantage of such weariness in the soul, you know, to and exploit it. For instance, have you ever heard of people that were? They were maybe very spiritual at some point in your life. Maybe you meet an elderly man, for instance. And let's say, as a young Christian, you go and meet the elderly man and you try to preach to him and you know evangelize to him. And the man, you know, drops, holds one big bottle of, of, of alcohol in his hand, and that bottle of, of one wine in his hand, something like that. And then he tells you, begins to tell you and say, see, calm down that this thing you this thing you are doing, we've done it before. And he begins to say, don't, don't you know, I was a deacon in my days. If I go to this place, they'll ask them about me, they'll tell you. And you begin to wonder, at what point did this man deviate from the path or from the Christian, Christian path, right? One of the major reasons why people um, deviate from the faith is that they were weary in their soul and they did not know what to do about it. All right? Maybe circumstances of life made them weary, maybe they experienced a, a I mean, a, an unfortunate occurrence, right, happened in their life, and they they just were weary, they couldn't go, go by it. Probably they lost a loved one after they had so much faith for that loved one, and they prayed, and they had faith, and they believed, and they did vigil and confessed, but then the loved one died eventually. That kind of event can cause a weariness in your soul, all right? And Jesus Christ is saying, if you are ever weary for whatever for whatever reason, Come to me, come to me and you will find rest. Many times people don't come to, come to Jesus for rest. They either try to solve the, the problem themselves or they are offended at Jesus Christ. You know, just like, just like, think about it. Mary and Martha were very close to Jesus, right? Mary Martha and Lazarus were very close to Jesus. When Lazarus died, Mary and Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And a lot of Christians are, um, have fallen into situations like that. And they say, God, if you are God, why did you heal my child? Or why did you heal my brother or my sister or my father, my mother? If you are God, why did you deliver me from this accident? If you are God, why did you give me a job at this particular time? If you are God, why did you do this or why did you do that? And those those kind of disappointments can cause weariness in the soul. And if we don't know how to deal with weariness in the soul, then the enemy will have an advantage over us because we will now get angry with God, will begin to, we'll begin to, you know, like I said, we will begin to have beef with God. Meanwhile, it is the same God that is your solution. And the enemy will trick you into, into being offended at God so that you no longer commun- commune with God and fellowship with God. And the moment the devil can severe your relationship with God, then you are an exposed individual to any of his attacks. All right? So Jesus Christ in Matthew 11 to 8 said, come to me if you are weary. And it says in verse 29 that you will find rest unto your soul. So there's a, there's, a, there's a concept of weariness in the soul. Where for some reason or the other, we can be weary. All right. And in the same vein, Jesus, knowing that such possibility exists, had already prepared a solution. And the solution is himself. So he said, if you come to me, you will find rest. So the solution to weariness is rest. And again, like I said, this is not fiscal rest. And, and by all means, if you are fiscally tired, please take fiscal rest. That is super important. However, this weariness and this rest we are referring to is not just a fiscal rest or fiscal weariness. And again, let me say this, right? Especially for people in church, the the fact that someone is active doesn't and as active in terms of taking out responsibilities in church, right, or in any Christian gathering. It doesn't mean that the person cannot be weary in his soul. In fact, many times, some some people mask um, their weariness with activity. So someone might be deficient in their fellowship with God, but then they are very active in church. You always see them Sunday morning, Wednesday service, Saturday cleaning, um, prayer meeting, they are there. Every time you see them there, but they are weary in their soul. And there is nothing that can solve weariness in the soul aside rest from God. Only the rest that Jesus gives can can cure the weariness in our soul. All right, so no activity, whether it is a spiritual activity, as in terms of just activity, actions on the on the outside, without any spiritual connection. All right, so no external activity can give the rest that Jesus um, Jesus provides. So He said, "Come to me, and you will find rest for your soul." And this concept of rest, I want us also look at it in the Book of Hebrews, just to show you that there's such a concept called rest that that God in sovereignty instituted, and we should take advantage of it. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. Please read if you are there. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 to 10. Anyone there should please go ahead and read for us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 to 10. Anyone? Okay. Let's go, okay. verse
1: nine to ten. Yes, so there's a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world.
0: Hallelujah. So the Bible says that there is, permit like, me to use the King James Version. It says that there, there remains a rest for the people of God. And when I read this, When I read this verse earlier today, it really just struck my heart that it doesn't matter what you are going through. And and maybe this should be an encouragement to someone. It really doesn't matter what you are going through, that there is a rest for the people of God. If you feel troubled in your soul, if you feel weary, if you feel tired, if the circumstances of life seem to be taking a toll on you, the Bible says that there is a rest for the people of God. The people of the world may not know this rest the people of the world may not access this rest but the bible says that there is rest for people of god in fact the way the bible puts it that there's a rest that god himself reserved for for his own people so what we're trying to look at this morning or uh, sorry this today right depending on what time you are what i'm trying to look at today is how we can access the rest that god has reserved for us and you know why this topic is um is dear to my heart is because like i said it, many times, while Christians, while Christians backslide, like we typically say it, while Christians um, stray from the faith, many times it is because they are weary in their soul. That means something happened that made them weary. Either the environment, the pressure from the environment and the culture, wearied their soul, or, or they got through circumstances and and it seems like they were defeated and the, their hope was dashed. And you know the Bible says. Hope the the um, the makes their heart sick. All right, so they were weary their soul, um, and different things could happen. You know, in back in secondary school, I had there was a particular senior I had. You know, like we say in Nigeria, so he was. I I think it was two years ahead of me. Yeah, two years. Two years ahead of me. Yes, and I usually I admired this guy a lot because he just had a will teaching the word of God in a very simple but practical and impactful way. So I used to admire him a lot. Whenever he's teaching, because we used to have um, uh, Bible studies then in, in secondary school, whenever he was teaching Bible study, I always paid attention, right? And he was someone that, as, as I did, if you asked me, I wanted to be like him because of the way he could teach the word of God. Fast forward to after school, one, like some years later, I, I stumbled on something on Facebook, a post he did on Facebook, and he was so unchristian-like, so I began to suspect. I said, "What's up with this guy?" And I began to see more of his posts, and I saw that this guy had come. He, see, you know, we know this was not—he was not just an unbeliever. He was—he was a willing vessel to the devil. And I wondered—I began to wonder—at what point did he miss it? At what could have happened that could make him stray from the faith? I mean, having the advantage of knowing the word of God early is—is is a good thing. So, at what point did this guy really? The, um, thereof. Meanwhile, in the same in the same span of years, people that were notorious, you know, for the devil before, got converted and they, they found God. And so I, I I really wondered what happened. Most most times again, I say this: why people why people deviate or why people, you know, maybe they might not stop being Christians, but they might just their fervor and fervency in the faith might significantly drop, is because they were weary and they did not know what to do. And yet the Bible says there's a rest that is for the people of God. And the Jesus Christ showed us in Matthew 11 that the cure to weariness, the cure to those who, are, who labor and a heavy laden is for his rest. And the way they'll find rest is when they come to God. All right. And Hebrews tells us that God intentionally reserved an experience called rest for the people of God. All right. So let us proceed. We want to explore. want to explore how believers rest and what really is rest for the believer. All right. So let's again look at Jesus's invitation to rest. So please, if you are there, read John chapter seven. Let's look at this. John chapter seven, verse 37 to 39. John chapter seven, verse 37 to 39. Please help us read if you're
1: there. John John 7, 37 to 39 says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, Mm-hmm. For this, he spoke concerning the spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified.
0: Awesome, thank you very much. So, um, Jesus Christ made a very, I mean, quite an interesting invitation, all right. And and today, when I was reading the scripture, I, I had to take note of it that this was a feast, right? And if you start reading from verse from verse one of that chapter seven, you understand that this was a great feast. And then this feast lasted for for days. And Jesus Christ, from the beginning of the feast, he didn't say anything until the last day. The Bible says the last and the greatest day of the feast, meaning the day when there was abundance of food, abundance of drinks, abundance of of water, abundance of everything. The greatest day of the feast, the the climax of the um, celebration, then jesus christ came and made an announcement in fact just picture this now imagine you go for a wedding you go for a wedding let's say the most let's say the richest man in your in your in your village okay no let's say this is my nigeria you go for the wedding of his daughter there's there's everything available and then somebody comes and takes the mic and says anybody that is thirsty should come and drink I mean, it doesn't make sense because we're already in a feast. We have had, probably had enough drinks, enough water, enough of everything, right? So why would there be an invitation to drink? And I believe Jesus Christ did this intentionally to, re, to make a statement, all right? I believe that Jesus Christ made that invitation in, at, at the climax of the feast, just to show people that the thirst he was referring to was not a physical thirst, and neither is the satisfaction he, he was offering going to be a satisfaction, all right? So I put it here in the, in the slide, and I said, um, Jesus's call, sorry, Jesus called for the thirsty on the great day of the feast to show that there is a thirst that physical drinks cannot satisfy. It is the thirst of the soul, meaning that when Jesus Christ came and said, come to me, all you who are thirsty, um, he said in verse 7 if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Jesus Christ clearly wasn't referring to a physical test. And we, we see this same um, pattern in Matthew chapter 11, where we just read, that Jesus Christ made an invitation. In fact, when I was reading today, I read a, um, a study note that, that said that this was one of the very few times that Jesus Christ said made his, the statement, come to me. Many, many other times he said, follow me or come come follow me and, you know, I make fishers of men. follow me and all of that. But if in these few occasions, Jesus Christ said, come to me. And he made the same invitation in Matthew chapter 11. And he said, come to me. And his invitation was, again, for the same reason, all right? Matthew 11 says, come to me, all you who are thirsty, uh, sorry, all you labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. John chapter seven here now says, come to me if you thirst. Meaning Jesus Christ acknowledges that there's a possibility for us to be thirsty in our soul. That that means a a dryness that cannot be be satisfied any other means except Jesus Christ himself. So Matthew 11 says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Okay, so we know that when you come to Jesus Christ, he'll give you rest because the antidote to weariness is rest. All right, so follow this thought. Jesus Christ said, come to me, I'll give you rest. Meaning the, the antidote and the solution to weariness is rest. But how does he give that rest? Then we now come to John chapter 7. Rabbi read. he said, come to me, all you who, um, sorry, come to me if you are are thirsty and come unto me and drink. Okay, so he begins to say, come and drink. Verse 38 says, excuse me. Verse 38 says, he that believes on me, as the scripture had said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. All right. So um, I put here the slide and I said that to quench the thirst of the soul, Jesus offers the drink of the spirit. So when you come to him as a a weary person, he promises to give you rest, but the way in which this rest comes, right, is the drink of the spirit, okay? And that's why verse 39 now went on to explain that, you know, when he says, out of your bellies will flow springs of living water, he says that verse 39 gives us, a perfect explanation, saying that Jesus Christ was referring to the Holy Ghost, um, whom those who will who would believe in Him. Let, let, me, let me read that again properly. But he, this spake He of the Spirit, which they that believe on Him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus Christ was not glorified. So Jesus Christ was clearly referring to the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me say before I go move on that um we did a, a bible study on speaking in tongues and please i would encourage everyone to go listen to it on our podcast um in fact i will drop the link you know during the course of this session right but we did a, a, a bible study on speaking in tongues and it was it's more elaborate than what we're doing today today we're focusing on just a on, on the practice and and um the the benefit of it right we did we answered a lot more questions in that study so please listen to the podcast um of that particular study all right so jesus christ says back to our study Jesus christ says here that if you are thirsty come and i'll give you to drink and what he was talking about was the was the holy ghost was the baptism of the holy spirit so how does jesus christ quench our weariness how does he quench our thirst how does he give us rest he gives us rest in the in the coming of the holy ghost all right that's how he gives us rest and 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 we're going to explore this some more. So Jesus Christ said, come to me and out of your bellies will flow springs of living water. And verse 39 explains that he was referring to the Holy Ghost, meaning the the administration of the Holy Ghost is what connects us to the rest that Jesus Christ provides. All right. Let me take that again. The administration of the Holy Ghost is what connects us to the rest that Jesus Christ provides. So when we engage the Holy Ghost, where we the, the enterprise of the Holy Spirit is what, what facilitates the rest of the soul. And let me really say this that if you ever feel tired in life, and again, I'm not talking about physical tiredness, I'm not talking about um, you know, you are, you've been working for so long, you need to go on a vacation. That is awesome. But there's a weariness and a tiredness of, of in life that vacation will not will not will not will not solve that. You, you can you can go to Mauritius, you can go to Cuba, you can go to Bahamas it will not cure the weariness of your soul. There's a rest that only comes from engaging the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit connects us to the rest that Jesus provides. You know, just like I said, come to me, the environment of Jesus communicates rest, but the Holy Ghost makes the environment of Jesus our reality, all right? And that's what happens when we pray in the Spirit. That's what happens when we speak in tongues, okay? We engage the Holy Ghost and we experience the rest that he provides. All right. So I, I, I mean I have already really jumped the gun, but let's continue. But before we continue, I have a question for us, right? And just to be sure we understand, I mean, just to be sure we're on the same page when we talk about spiritual weariness. So I want to ask you, either from your experience or from observation or from study, what are some of the what are some of the symptoms of spiritual weariness? meaning when somebody is tired in his soul, when somebody is spiritually weary, or like with, with some people put it, when they are spiritually dry, what are some of the symptoms that you see in your life, right? I mean, maybe you might not have experienced it, but personally, I have experienced it couple of, I mean, several times. So I know, at least from my experience, I know some of the symptoms, right? So let me know if you've experienced something like that, or I mean, probably from conversation you've heard about it, or you have studied about it. Let me just know. What are some of the symptoms of spiritual weariness? All right, the floor is open. Anyone can go ahead to share symptoms of spiritual weariness. Right, I'm going to stop sharing my screen so that I can see everyone. All right, anyone? Okay, but first of all, do we understand the question? Let Let me be sure we are on the same page. If the question is clear, you can give it a thumbs up. Hello? Okay.
1: Yes, can you hear me?
0: Yes, I can, yes. Hello? Yeah, I can hear you. oh are you there? Okay, so I think... Okay, thumbs up, so question is clear. All right, um, is the question... Okay, um, Ariel, your hand is raised up. You can go ahead and and share. Yes, thank Okay, go ahead. Oh, okay. So, hey, why- I
1: want to show sure you can hear me. Um. Yeah, we're hearing you, but- can you Hear me as I speak,
0: Okay, we can hear you, but the network is um, okay.
1: One of the symptoms of uh, spiritual dryness, me, or is that I eat very well? I can't fast.
0: Okay. Okay. So, if I heard you correctly, um, you said one of the symptoms for you is that you just eat a lot more than um you normally would do, and then you can't fast. All right. Thank you very much for that. Thank you so much for that. Um, okay, yeah, that's the chat. So Tumi says in the chat that when you feel tired about or don't feel like praying about a particular thing again, all right? So tiredness, um, you don't feel there's no there's no ginger to pray about a, a particular thing. All right? That's awesome. Area um, also says here that um, a lot, I sleep a lot and cannot pray. Okay? Okay, awesome. Um, anyone else wants to share? What are some of the symptoms for you, you know, or that you've observed about spiritual weariness when you are just tired in your soul, or about, you know, just life or things in general? What is that symptom that you notice?
1: For me, it's um, you're just discouraged. So there's just some kind of weakness, no energy to really do any spiritual activity. Mm -hmm. Then I also notice that there's this tendency to try to find other things that will satisfy. So you can't, you can't, you can't see yourself doing a spiritual activity. So you're immersing yourself in maybe movies, just, to to satisfy. but then you really know that this is not working. And then another thing I noticed is, is during periods like that, I easily get irritated, easily angered, easily, as in there's just this, everyone is just annoying that kind of thing and Mm -hmm. those are those are common things i've noticed with myself thank you
0: awesome awesome thanks so much and and i feel like you picked into my notes but you really just brought out the points i wrote um easily irritated or just easily angered for so for no reason your siblings just make you angry you just get offended someone called you by mistake and you're just offended that the person cannot even genuinely call you that person was not thinking about you and just little thing, little things right, that offend you, all right? And they uh, mentioned tendency to find replacements for spiritual, uh, for real spiritual activities. Awesome. Um, Area put in group chat. I don't feel like going to church or being around brethren or listening to anything that will help my spirit, soul, or body and body, right? So that's that um, complacency. That's the word for it. Awesome. Okay. One more person wants to share with us. What is your... Um, experience like when you feel spiritually weary, one more person. Oh, okay. That means the rest of us haven't ever felt spiritually weary. That's, that's really awesome. I, at this point, I envy you people. (laughs) All right. So let's continue. So thanks everyone for sharing your, um, feedback and your experiences so let's go back to the slide all right so here are some of the things i i just put down and this is not an exhaustive list but these are some of the things i have personally experienced myself number one is you just have lack of zeal for living all right um there's no you know like the way we say here there's no ginger to go up to to get up and go to work you just feel you are nonchalant on normal day, you'll be at office maybe 7.30 or before 8. But on this, when you feel in, in this state, you are, you just feel like, I mean, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock is not a bad time to be in the office. There's no zeal to wake up and do stuff, all right? It might be a sign of spiritual awareness. And then as we go through these things, you probably want to do a self-diagnosis, all right, to determine if you are currently experiencing or if you have experienced um, something like this. Secondly, is depression. You just feel nothing, you just feel sad for no genuine reason. You can't pinpoint why you are sad. You just feel depressed. You just feel like nobody cares about you. You just feel like this life, I mean, there's nothing worth living for in this life. You just feel like you feel really, really depressed. And even what, what used to <clears throat> sorry, what used to make you laugh prior to this moment doesn't, doesn't sound humorous again to you. All right. So depression could be one of the symptoms of spiritual weariness um again like idara said you're easily agitated or offended at the slightest comment you just pick offense even when your friends are cracking a joke and you're the object of the joke you are just so infuriated and, and normally this is not you or you just easily get angry with your spouse your husband or your wife or your children do something little as children would normally do and then you you flare up so it could be a sign that your spirit is lacking in in energy or is lacking in fuel okay and, um, also you, you, you entertain a lot of guilt. So guilt of things for things that had, has happened in the past. Guilt for things that, that probably haven't happened several years ago, or even if they are current, all right, the guilt just weighs you down. It could be a sign of spiritual williness. It's a sign that you need to find rest. You need to come to Jesus and experience rest. All right. So let us proceed now. How does God, give us rest and how does jesus christ provide rest and we read in john chapter 7 right that Jesus christ said come to me and you drink and he was referred to the holy ghost so i want to show you from scripture how that praying in tongues right and this is really where we're going to for this section how that praying in tongues is one of the avenues that it, we have as, as advantage right um in in such moments When we pray in tongues, what really happens, and then how God energizes us through that experience, okay? Now, for most of us, we we already know this, but I believe this is a solid reminder as to um, the practice of it. Okay, so let us read Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11 to to 12. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11 and um, 12. Please read if you are there. Um, Isaiah, where's my Isaiah? Please read it if you are there. So we can go Isaiah chapter 28 verse 11 to 12 so we can proceed. Isaiah
1: 28 verse
0: 11
1: to 12. Yes, please. Now, God will have to speak to his people through foreign oppressors who speak a strange language. God has told his people here is a place of rest let the weary rest here. This is a place of quiet rest, but they will not listen.
0: Mm. Okay, thank you. What translation is that, please? NLT. NLT, okay. So let me read it from the King James, right? And I like way it puts it. It says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people. So this, this was a prophetic... Um. Prophetic statement that Isaiah made, and he wasn't just speaking about the Israelites. I mean, yes, of course, he was speaking about Israelites at that um, point in their journey, but it was also prophetic to a dispensation that was yet to come. All right. And th- that dispensation we now live in currently. And he says through stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to his people. Okay. And I, I'll, I'll show us here how, how Paul eventually referenced this scripture to mean to, um, mean speaking in tongues, okay? And it says, verse 12, right? To whom he said, this is the rest, wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. So what he was saying is that through this stammering, um, uh, stammering, stammering lips and another tongue, right? It says through this stammering lips and another tongue, this is how I will cause my people to rest. This is how I will give rest to the weary. So Isaiah prophetically revealed to us how God was going to bring comfort and rest to those that are weary. All right, and he says it will do that through stammering lips and a strange tongue. Okay, and then he says, verse um, um, 12. I says, and this is the refreshing. Yet they will not hear. So I was talking saying about talking about the fact that there's a rest and refreshing prepared for them. However, these people were not were not. Observant, I didn't pay attention to it. Okay, so what is this stammering lips and strange tongues? First Corinthians chapter 14, verse verse 18 to 21. First Corinthians chapter chapter 14, sorry. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18 to 21. All right, I read it says. I thank my God. So this was Apostle Paul speaking now. He says, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. So this lets us know that Paul was, was talking about speaking in tongues in this context, right? in fact, the whole of chapter 14 is an elaborate study. And again, let me say, please, go back to our Bible study where we talked about speaking in tongues. There's, we went more details into the into the you know doctrine and the Biblical perspective about that. All right, so we're not covering all of that now, uh, but please I'll refer you to our podcast and I'll drop the link. Um, I'll drop the link right in the in the comment section. So Paul said, "I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all." He now goes on to say, "Yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding than that my voice, that by my voice I might teach others also than ten thousand words in an unknown tongue." So Paul was saying when I'm in the midst of people rather than speaking in tongues to them and then they don't understand i rather speak intelligibly in english or in whatever language that they understand okay um and again there's an explanation to this right in that in that bible story we did verse 20 brethren be not children in understanding how be it in mali's be it children but in, in understanding be men verse 21 says in the law it is written with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto these people. And yet for all that, they will not hear me, said the Lord. So Paul was referencing this exact scripture in the book of Isaiah when he was talking about speaking in tongues. Okay, then he goes on to, all right, let, let's just stop there because the next scriptures explain something different. But I read this to just show you that when, that Paul revealed to us that when Pro, um, prophet Isaiah spoke about stammering lips and, and strange tongues, he wasn't just talking about the Israelites' current um, um, state at that point in time, but well, he was prophetically talking about the experience we have now in the Holy Ghost when we speak in tongues. And if you go back to Isaiah, he says, "This is the rest wherewith I have ordained for them to rest and the refreshing." Meaning, God, God had already ordained for us to experience rest and refreshing through speaking in tongues. And this is the summary of. What I'm trying to share with us this evening, right? That if you feel weary or so, the symptoms we listed out, you're easily agitated, you easily feel depressed, um, you are guilt reading, you feel like just eating a lot, you don't feel like hanging around believers, you don't feel like doing anything. Sentence yourself, and, and I put it this way: sentence yourself to extended periods of speaking in tongues. It will cure your depression, it will cure, it will cure your anxiety, it will cure your your um touchiness or the fact that you're easily agitated and you know i was speaking with a friend some some days ago and i was just saying telling her that whenever you observe that you are you easily get offended by the people that you love and you know that these people are not annoying they're not intentionally being annoying and they're not trying to be wicked but you just easily get yeah you notice you are easily getting offended at them spend time praying in the holy ghost because it is, it's a clear sign that you are, you are getting weary in your soul, all right? And you need to refresh yourself. You need to, you need to reset. You need to um, rest, really. So spend time praying in the spirit. When you spend time fellowship with God, praying in tongues especially, you, you infuse energy into your, your being, into your, 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 your life, all right? And most of the things that people experience, right, as the weakness and as weariness, you overcome them easily. Because you have stirred up energy within you, you know the Bible says in, e- in Ephesians chapter three, verse sixteen, it says that God will strengthen you with all might by His Holy Spirit in your inner man. All right, let me let me permit me, permit me to just read that. Um, Ephesians chapter three, verse sixteen. Is it said, this was Paul praying? He says that he will grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. So the way God strengthens you is by his spirit in your inner man. And how do you engage that strength? All right, is by praying in the Holy Ghost. So when you feel weary, when you feel tired, when you feel like this life is not just making sense, you don't have you don't have zeal to push on. Maybe you were uh, you started a business and then you made significant loss. Probably you lost all your money or a significant part of your money. There might be that inherent weariness to and tiredness and lack of drive to to do anything or to try anything else if you are not careful the enemy may capitalize on that experience to weigh your weigh your soul down so to give a counter attack spend time praying the holy ghost this is what i noticed if you spend time praying the holy ghost long enough right over an extended period of time or over several days what will happen is that the very reason why you could have been sad would, you would automatically find out that it doesn't have anything on you, all right? It's like, so again, like back to my example, you, you say a business, you lost significantly. When you pray the Holy Ghost, your, your energy level increases significantly. And there's something that praying the Holy Ghost does. It, it launches you into the atmosphere of joy so that what would have made you depressed or what would have made you sad or what would have made you um, lose hope suddenly doesn't have any impact on your soul anymore. Yes, you are aware that you lost money. Yes, your bank account is reading. it show you that you lost money. But in terms of the tiredness of your soul, you just move on and, and you, you don't consider it as a loss um, um, perpetually, all right? So praying in tongues is one of the very important ways that we, we experience rest in our soul. So have you been through, are you currently even experiencing a period where you're just weary, you're just tired and you cannot really pinpoint why? I would suggest to you, you know, like I said, to someone earlier, I'll suggest you go on a you admit yourself to to Holy Ghost clinic, and then you take IV direct direct line of, of praying in the Holy Ghost for long. If you do it, I assure you, you'll be shocked at how your countenance will change because you're engaging with the Holy Ghost. All right. Okay, so um, Oh, sorry. before we come to that, I wrote something here. I'm not sure I put it in the slide. Um, okay, okay, that's fine. So so I hope this is clear enough before we continue to the next, to the second half of, of um, today's Bible study, all right? What all this first segment is saying to you is, if you are experiencing weariness, right? And again, I say this, weariness can come for different reasons. Don't underestimate See, If the devil cannot stop you, one of the things he'll try to do is he'll get you tired. He'll try to get you weary. So he knows that up. Ah, you are stubborn head, or you are not going to stop. Okay. So what he's going to do is he's going to make you tired, and if he can weary you, then he would he would have significantly reduced your your potential in experiencing God. All right. So don't take don't take for granted seasons where you feel weary. If you feel weary, let, let this is what I do. If I feel weary, right in my soul, I put myself aside. Don't I don't do anything like preaching or teaching or anything. No, I put myself aside. I I don't. Interact with you know friends and family and and I mean what I mean is I I, I take some time alone okay and I spend time praying with Holy Ghost and if you see me pray the Holy Ghost at that point I pray reckless I mean my own terms I pray recklessly in tongues I pray loud in tongues I pray sometimes I have a lot of physical motions which it doesn't necessarily make my prayer better but it helps me give it gives expression to my spirit okay so I do a lot of motion and I pray in tongues until. I find ventilation in my spirit, because if you don't find that ventilation in your spirit, your spirit is suppressed, what happens is that the spirit of heaviness can will be upon you. A, a dark cloud of heaviness will be upon you, right? Which is what is responsible for depression, anxiety, doubt, fear, all of that, that dark cloud of heaviness, right? And if you don't, if I don't, if you don't break through in prayer, that dark cloud will remain. And your, your sight will be blurred. in that your, your ability to see hope will be diminished and once you cannot see hope then I mean there, your motivation for life and everything would have been robbed of robbed you you' have been robbed of that um, hope and all of that. So I spent I spent time praying the Holy Ghost until I find my spirit alive again bubbling again okay The Bible says that there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. When we pray in the Holy Ghost, we connect to that river. And every form of dryness, every form of weariness, okay, is, every form of weariness is is taken away because we have connected to that stream that makes glad the city of God. And why this is super important is because the Bible says that it is with joy that you draw from the wells of salvation. So if the enemy can stop your access to that supernatural supply of joy, then the benefits of salvation will be, Taken away from you or you'll be deprived of it if the enemy can cut the access of joy that you have all right that is why the bible says um instead of spirit the spirit of heaviness he'll give us the spirit of joy right instead of the garment of heaviness he'll give us the oil of joy the anointing of joy or the spirit of joy which is super super important so please i encourage you if you ever feel weary don't don't try to which is the mistake a lot of people make don't try to replace it with watching movies, with going to the cinema, um, um, hanging out with friends. All those things are good, but I'm telling you that they cannot replace what the Holy Ghost will do in your heart, okay? You can decide to binge on a, on, on five 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 seasons of an episode of a series that you're watching. And at the end of it, you would still find that hollow in your heart. Some people resort to, to consuming alcohol and getting drunk, but it, it doesn't replace... It doesn't replace the vacuum that is in their heart. Do you get me? What, the only thing that can replace that vacuum is the joy that the Holy Ghost supplies. And when we pray in the Holy Ghost, okay, that weariness, we begin to find rest. We begin to find vitalization. We begin to find, find energy and, and supply of strength in Christ Jesus, all right? Okay, so is this clear enough before we move to the next um, half of the study, right? Is this clear enough? If we're, with, if we're together, give me a thumbs up. Um, just say, yep, we're together. I get you. I hear you. I understand. You know, drop a message. Let me show we're together. Okay, I see a thumbs up from either Anyone, thumbs up anyone? Um, okay, okay, Bio says yes, yes. Okay, great. Um, any other person, thumbs up. Let me show we're all together okay says up. okay great all right so we can proceed now having known that praying in tongues is super important right and um one of the things the holy spirit laid in my heart is to just give, help us i mean to just teach us about how to lead other people to pray in tongues okay again i keep making reference to the study we did on praying in tongues because i I can imagine that some people may have questions about the topic of speaking in tongues. And um, please, I'll refer you to the Bible study we did on speaking in tongues. Let me let me post. Um, let me post, just hold on, let me post the link right away so that I do not forget. Um, the link for where we talked about speaking in tongues is right here. Just one second. Um what was it called? Now it was called. It was called praying in tongues. Um, yes, the power and practice. Okay, good. So there are two of them. The power and practice of speaking in tongues. So let me send you the first link, um, everyone. So this is the first link. Please do well to um, listen to it. And then the second link is this. All right. So there are two, two series to that. Okay. All right. So let's continue. So uh, what I want to show us again today is to help, you know, help us in leading other people to, to pray in the Holy ghost or to get baptized in the Holy ghost. Okay. And um, I think this is really important because it's not just enough for you to speak in tongues. You might have a friend, you might have a family member. You might come across someone right in the future that would want to pray in tongues, you know, um, how do we do that how do you go about leading people to speaking in um, to getting baptized in the holy ghost with the evidence of praying in tongues okay so this is what i want to just use the next few minutes to explore how do how to lead people to receive the baptism of the holy spirit all right so let's go on so the first thing i want to say here is that there is no particular formula okay to say oh let the person lift up his hands let the person kneel down um the person must be wearing a, a white shirt or the person must be in church the person must be fasting before you the holy ghost no there is no such direct formula okay however there are certain things that if they're in place um there are certain things that should be in place for the person to receive the holy ghost okay so i want to explore these things and, and i put out three of them here um and i believe these three things cover the fundamental um, requirement for people to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, all right? And I'll share with you my, my experience as well. My own personal experience with getting filled with the Holy Ghost and then also in leading other people to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. So number one is this, that the person needs to have accepted Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, all right? I want to read... Um, there's a scripture, there's a verse we just read. I don't want to go back to it again. Um, this was in, yes, John chapter 7. Okay, let me read something for us here. John chapter 7, quickly, where we just read. Um, just Christ made a statement that we should not miss. John chapter 7, verse t- verse 39, right? After I talked about, you know, out of your bellies will flow springs of living water and all of that. Verse 39 now says, but this he spake of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. Meaning that the only people who, are, who will be able to receive the Holy Ghost, right, are those that believe in him. And this is super important, that nobody, we, no one can receive the Holy Ghost without believing in Jesus Christ. That means, and I, I like the way Kenneth Hagin puts it, he says, um, Jesus Christ is God's gift to unbelievers, right? That is salvation, But the Holy Ghost is God's gift to believers. All right, meaning unbelievers cannot be baptized with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, right? However, they can receive salvation. And yes, I know someone may be asking me, but when I when I get when someone gets saved, doesn't the person receive the Holy Spirit? Yes, the person receives the Holy Spirit. But again, we explained this in that Bible study. So please go to the Bible study where we talked about speaking in tongues. We explained the difference between you know just receiving the receiving. Um, when the Holy Ghost comes to your heart at salvation and then be baptized in the Holy Ghost, all right? So, Jesus Christ here stated, makes clear, makes it clear that the Holy Ghost baptism is available only to those that, are, that have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, all right? So, if you're going to lead someone baptism of the Holy Spirit, you just want to make sure, first and foremost, that the person is born again. However, I put a note here that sometimes people... Get born again and baptized in the holy spirit at the same time that's simultaneously but never does one receive the holy ghost without being saved all right what i mean is there are instances and there are cases where people the people get saved and they get filled with the holy ghost the same instance all right however it never happens that someone gets filled with the holy ghost that is baptized with the holy ghost with evidence is speaking in tongues without receiving jesus christ so the person says well i speak in tongues but i'm not a believer it can never happen all right but it can happen that they speak in tongues they get saved and they speak in tongues simultaneously and a good example is um cornelius in the book of acts chapter 10 the bible says that while especially verse 44 now while these words while peter yet spoke these words the holy ghost fell on all who heard the word so peter was preaching to them and talking to them about jesus christ all right I'm preaching message of salvation, but at this, as they're receiving the gospel, they, as they're receiving salvation, the Holy Ghost came upon them instantly, all right, simultaneously. So yes, it does happen. However, never in, does it happen that the Holy Ghost comes on someone who is not born again, all right? So um, that's, sorry, that's the first thing I said here. And I said here again that just in, in, under the same point that The lordship of Jesus over a person's life provides the legal environment for the Holy Ghost to come. And let me explain what I mean. When we get born again, we are not only saying Jesus Christ is our savior. We are also saying that Jesus Christ is our Lord. In fact, we, we confess Jesus as our Lord in order for us to be saved. We don't confess Jesus as our savior in order for him to be our Lord let me repeat that we confess jesus as our lord in order for us to be saved all right so he's our lord and savior okay and what we do in salvation is at you know when we give our lives to christ we say jesus christ come and be the master of my life meaning we have legally made jesus christ the authority over our life all right it is because of that legal and, and this is why we should not we don't we shouldn't trivialize the experience of salvation okay it might seem simple but it is powerful and has a lot of legal context in the realm of the spirit it is because of that legal experience where we say jesus christ is our lord that the holy ghost can now come because we confessing jesus as our lord gives the holy ghost freedom and liberty to come um, into our lives in this sense all right and that's why it's important that the person should have received jesus christ as lord and savior okay so the first thing here is the person needs to be born again, pretty much, and to have, accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So if you want to pray for someone that that you know that wants to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, you just want to find out from the, from the person: Have you are you born again? Uh, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Once that person says yes, then that is awesome. So we can move to the next point. Okay. So number two is accurate knowledge. Now. Um, I said here, let me, let me just show you what I said, that the greatest barrier to people receiving the Holy Ghost is a knowledge problem, either ignorance or wrong knowledge, okay? And this is super important to know that there are some people who are believers, but just have been taught, taught wrongly about the Holy Ghost. Some have been taught that speaking in tongues ended in the days of the apostles. Some have been taught that no, only pastors and, and ministers should be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Some have been taught that, no, you only receive um, the gift of speaking tongues when you want to do deliverance. Some have been taught different things that different ideologies that people have propagated, all right? So if that's a knowledge problem, for some people, they don't even know that the Holy, there's anything called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So the next thing you want to make sure is that this person you are leading in the leading in baptism of the Holy Spirit actually knows, what the baptism of the holy ghost is about right has at least a, a basic fundamental idea about the baptism of the holy ghost if the person doesn't you can explain to the person in very few minutes right and and I, I've, I've i've experienced this myself you can expre- explain to someone in under 10 minutes right the purpose of the holy ghost the baptism of the holy ghost and all of that in fact let me share a a testimony with you that I just came to my mind you know there was a day who, I must have shared this before, but you know, while I and my wife were still dating, one of these days I went to see her and uh, after work and I took a cab coming back home. And then while in the cab, I just perceived that the, pe- the cab driver didn't speak in tongues. So, and, and the reason why he didn't speak in tongues was because he belonged to a to a sect of Christianity. All right. So I asked him, I said, oh, do you, do you belong to a sect of Christianity? And he said, he said, he just looked at me through the mirror and said, uh how, what you didn't even ask if I was a christian just asked straight if i belong to the sect of christianity and i said yeah I, I just want to know so he answered and said yes so i now asked him i said do you speak in tongues he said no i said okay why do you speak in tongues and then you know he gave his reasons and from that trip right beginning of the trip from the beginning of that trip i explained to him about the holy ghost and by the time we arrived at my house i asked him if he wanted to be baptized in the holy ghost and he said yes, and I prayed for him, and instantly he got filled with the Holy Ghost. For that person, his problem wasn't that he wasn't saved, he was saved. It's just that the version of Christianity that he practiced, they don't believe in speaking in tongues. All right. And so I had to, you know, explain it to him from scriptures why speaking in tongues is biblical. Okay. And as soon as I did that, immediately he got filled with the Holy Ghost. So for some people, it's either they do not know at all or they have they've been fed with the wrong information. And it will be the first time this is happening, all right? If we read Acts chapter 18, I mean, I will read that just so that we can be fast. When we read Acts chapter 18 and also 19. You'll see that the Bible talks about Apollos, who was very fervent in in teaching the scriptures. However, he only knew the baptism of John. Meaning the only thing that Apollos knew and which um, conversely he taught was the baptism of John. Okay? And so, so I have to open it now. Um, Acts chapter 18, let me read it quickly. Acts chapter 18, verse 24. I will just skim through the verses um, quickly to explain this point. It says there was a certain Jew named Apollos, right? He was eloquent and mighty in scriptures. So, and, and this is also a possibility. There are people that actually know the Bible, that they can quote, their are in the Bible, but they are ignorant about speaking in tongues, okay? About the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So he was eloquent, mighty in scriptures. You know, this man was in, this man was instructed in the word of the Lord. He was fervent in spirit. He said he spoke diligently about the things of God. However, there was a limitation. He only knew the baptism of John. What this means is that everybody that everything he taught was limited to the baptism of John. He didn't know the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Okay, and that was obviously what the people under him would have learned. And then, verse 26, Aquila and Priscilla, you know, instructed him in the in, open the word of God more perfectly to him. And I believe they explained the baptism of the Holy Ghost to him. Okay. Now, let's go to chapter 19. Paul came to Ephesus and found some disciples. Meanwhile, Apollos was, was teaching in Ephesus. That's where he, he had his ministry, right? At that point, right? And in Ephesus. So, but, but after some time, Apollos traveled. Then Paul eventually in his journey passed through Ephesus and he encountered some disciples and he said to them um, in verse 2, he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And the disciples said, we don't even know that there's anything called the Holy Ghost or there's anyone called the Holy Ghost. Why was it so? It was so because all Apollos taught them was just the baptism of John. His knowledge was limited to the baptism of John. And obviously his, the knowledge of his disciples were limited to the baptism of John as well. So Paul came and said, do you guys have this hell of the Holy Ghost? And I said, um, we didn't even know there's any, anything called or anyone called the Holy Ghost. And Paul began to look at what he said. And um, verse three says, and he said unto them, unto what baptism then were you baptized? He says, unto John's baptism. And Paul began to explain that John baptized for repentance and all of that. And he explained the Holy Ghost and he prayed for them and they got filled with the Holy Spirit. This shows that for some believers, all right, that these people have given their life to Christ, but either they do not know about the Holy Ghost entirely, or they have been fed the wrong information. So if you want to lead someone in baptism of the Holy Spirit, I encourage that even before praying for the person, briefly or as much as your time permits you, explain what the baptism of the Holy Ghost is, it opens their hearts to receive the Spirit and it makes them, um, it makes them desire the Holy Ghost, you know, more, all right? So, the second thing is accurate knowledge. Remember, the first thing is um, let the person be born born again. Secondly is accurate knowledge. Thirdly, is a desire and thirst for the Holy Ghost. Okay? Now, it is possible that people know about the Holy Ghost, but they just know you have a mental knowledge about him. They don't really desire him. Alright? So, and, and, I mean, this one is something that I mean, you can't force on the person, obviously. This is what you have to pray that God does in the person's heart, all right, and create a desire. However, let me say that most times people, especially if the person is not intentionally rebellious, most times by the time you've explained um, the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost to the person clearly from scriptures, that explanation creates in them a desire for the Holy Ghost. Many times it happens this way, all right? And once that there's that desire, then, bam, they get filled with the Holy Ghost, all right? Um, before, we, before I read the scripture, let me share with you an experience. There was a, I'll share with you two experiences. There was a friend I had back in school. <clears throat> For over two years, I was trying to get this person to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I, I, I had, I mean, by this time, I had led people to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I taught, I, I preached, I said, I, I said, okay, ask me any question you have. Ask question, I answered every single thing, but the person was not just getting filled with the Holy Ghost. In fact, that must have been one of my most frustrating experiences, right? Because I just didn't know what, what was what was wrong. Eventually, um, it was a lady, eventually she got filled, like after two years or so, she got filled with the Holy Ghost. And she came and told me, I said, oh, Victor, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I was so excited. And then I asked her, you know, what it was. what So what, why di- wasn't she filled all this while? And simply put, it was just a knowledge problem she had a wrong conception about what being filled with the Holy Ghost meant. But she was a Christian and a very good Christian, all right? So there are people like that. Now, on the other side, there was someone, again, um, this was some years ago, someone that um, I just started, the person, I mean, I just spoke to the person briefly, right? And I didn't even really explain so much about the Holy Ghost. But immediately I prayed, prayed for the person, the person God filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues for about, We spoke together for about an hour together, all right? And what happened, what I noticed in the case of that person was that the person had a desire. When people have a desire and thirst for the Holy Ghost, it becomes so easy for them to get filled with the Spirit. And in fact, those kinds of people might not need anyone to lay hands on them. They might just get filled, you know, personally on their own. And for me, this was my experience, right? When I got filled with the Holy Ghost, Nobody laid hands on me. Nobody prayed for me. I was just in my in my room praying, all right. And at that day, I said, "Today, whatever wants to come out of my mouth, right? Even though I don't understand it, I will yield to the Holy Spirit and and, and say it out." And that's how I I got through the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues, all right. So desire is very powerful in receiving the in people receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah chapter forty-four verse three says, um, "I will pour water on thirsty ground." And um, I would, hold on, let me just read quickly. Isaiah 44, verse 3, it says, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. So thirst is one of the prerequisites for receiving water. Okay? It says, I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thy offspring. So whenever there's thirst, the Holy Ghost is automatically welcome. All right? Okay, so this... I believe these three things would help, right? Just anyone you want to lead to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Let the person be born again. Let the person have accurate knowledge and let the person have a desire um, for the Holy Spirit. And then it's almost automatic, okay? So to conclude, um, no, before we conclude, right, let me, okay, before we conclude, let me let me okay no, no let, let me read last notes then i'll take questions okay so just some notes i wanted to bring out okay number one is that god may and emphasis on the word may god may sovereignly move in certain circumstances and why i said this is that sometimes you might find one or more of these three things absent and yet the person gets filled with the holy ghost so yes there are instances like that where god sovereignly moves with the moves, um, even though the person doesn't have any of these three things. And, and let me share an example. My pastor, you know, shared with us how he got filled with the Holy Ghost. He said he was criticizing ministers. He was criticizing pastors at that point. He was criticizing speaking in tongues, right? He was talking, I think, with some people and he was criticizing speaking in tongues, criticizing ministers. In that same moment when he was criticizing them, the Holy Ghost fell upon him and he started speaking in tongues. It's almost like me saying, "Imagine, imagine me saying, all these, all these Christians—they are fake. They'll just be saying rubbish in the name of speaking in tongues. Can you imagine? And they'll just come out, wake up one morning and shaba shaba shaba' and they'll say they are praying. And I'm criticizing them, and as I'm criticizing them, the Holy Ghost falls upon me, and I begin to speaking tongues. So that was his experience. How? So that is a sovereign move, you know, of God. All right. However, we can't expect everybody to get." You know baptizing the Holy Ghost in this same manner. There's what is the norm, and then there's the exceptions. For instance, the way Apostle Paul got saved was that he encountered Jesus, you know, on his way to Damascus. It is not everybody's salvation story that goes that way. In fact, there are very, very, a very tiny percentage of people that actually have spectacular encounters when they get saved. For every other person, it is just a normal. Um, the common way where we come to Jesus, declare him as Lord and Savior, you know, and receive salvation, all right? So there are the exceptions, and then there's the norm, right? So I'm saying here that God may move sovereignly in certain circumstances. However, it is not up to you or me to decide in what circumstances God will move sovereignly. So because of that, we teach people the, the basics and we lead people the, the normal way the Bible prescribes us to lead them to baptize in the Holy Ghost. All right, so the next thing I want us to note is that Jesus is the baptizer, not you. So please, no pressure on you. You know, when you're praying for someone to get filled with the Holy Ghost, don't think that the don't think that the outcome of the person being filled is necessarily based on your performance. All right. So for instance, you might be thinking that oh, if I don't, if this person doesn't get filled with the Holy Ghost, um, that means I'm not spiritual enough. No. Jesus Christ is the one who baptizes people with the Holy Ghost. All right, and you read that in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, when John said he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, referring to Jesus Christ. So, just Christ is the baptizer, not you. So, don't put yourself under pressure. Do what you need to do. You lead the person to get saved, lead the person to baptize, um, um, sorry, lead the person to the right knowledge, pray for the person, but don't put pressure on yourself. Let me share with you one experience I had. You know, one day I was... Uh, back in school, this was my like my second year, I believe. I, I was praying. I called out for people to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And then, no, this was my second semester year, Second semester of the first year. And then one person came out. I prayed for this person. I laid hands. I prayed. I closed my eyes. I shook my head. I prayed in tongues. Pray, 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 pray. This person did not, did not, did not even shake. The person did not get filled. The person did not speak in tongues. I prayed for 30 minutes. Not and, and mind you, this was in front of, we're having a meeting, okay? So I was having a meeting with my course at that point. So this was in front of everybody. This was during the meeting. I called out for anybody that wanted to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And then one person, after, after much persuasion, only one person came out. And after much prayer, that one person did not get filled with the Holy Ghost. Ha! After that meeting, I, I asked myself, who sent me a message? Now, what, who even asked me to do that kind of altar call? All right, so i was almost getting discouraged I, no I actually, I actually was discouraged. but then i went to meet a senior brother in christ at that point and then he said that if it doesn't work um at first it doesn't mean there's a problem with you or, or with the person it just means that you need to study more about this concept and um this experience right so you know how, how better to lead people okay and then from there on i i i, I learned more and you know i had more for lack of better term i had more successes okay so don't put pressure on yourself that's what i'm trying to say don't put pressure on yourself jesus christ is the baptizer there are times where you pray for people that at that moment they may not start speaking in tongues right but later on in their own personal life they begin to speak in tongues okay and people it happen it may happen differently for people so please take note of, note of that thirdly i say is that there may or may not be a spectacular manifestation. So don't depend on spectacular manifestation, all right? The initial evidence is speaking in tongues. So when you pray for someone to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, there may be a spectacular manifestation. There may not be a spectacular manifestation. It doesn't matter, all right? What matters is that the person is filled with the Spirit, with an evidence of speaking in tongues. So don't use, don't gauge the influence of the Holy Ghost by spectacular manifestation. For some people, um, when they get filled with the Holy Ghost, you know, there's there's what I call, uh, how do I put it? They fall under the power of the spirit. There's a bit of gymnastics, there's, there's physical manifestation, and all of that, all right? But for some people, they don't, okay? And there is no there is no law that says in the Bible that says the person must, must have a physical manifestation to, as a proof that he's filled, filled with the Holy Ghost. No, the initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost is that the person can speak in tongues. Once that has been achieved, then you know the person is filled with the Holy Ghost. Whether there is a physical manifestation or not. All right. You know, I remember one time again, please permit me, I'm sharing a lot of stories. I remember one time one of our family friends, you know, came to stay in our house for a bit, and I came, so I wasn't at home that period, so I just I traveled briefly, right, for a friend's wedding. And and she was going to this our family friend was going to travel back to her home, okay that um, that particular day was i think it was a saturday right so my first wedding was that same saturday so I, I i before then i told her that she was going to speak in tongues she said "Ah, know that i've tried several times you know i've tried out they have laid hands on me i was appointed nothing happened i said no problem okay so i told her that um she should eat and we'll, we'll, we'll talk so i got talking with her i explained to her briefly again and this is the power of right understanding because i explained to her the concept of speaking in tongues and the baptism of the holy spirit and i prayed for her and immediately she started speaking in tongues there was no manifest no external manifestation right aside the evidence of speaking in tongues okay so don't expect external manifestations if it happens perfect right that's fine but it is not the proof that someone is baptized in the holy ghost the initial evidence of being filled with the holy ghost is speaking in tongues all right so lastly i said don't get discouraged at attempts that didn't work so again if you pray for somebody and the person doesn't get filled with the holy ghost don't get discouraged all right if you um if you tried praying for someone at some point and the person doesn't get filled with the holy ghost please don't get discouraged you might want to still pray for the person again or you know go to ask god Lord. this person needs speaking in tongues what, what is what, why you know what is the matter and god can reveal to you what you know the matter may be at that point in time all right So don't get discouraged with when people don't when when pray for people and they don't um, eventually get filled filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay, I hope this helps. Um, Let me see. Okay, I get that's it. All right. So I hope this helps. Um, Please ask me any question now. We will take questions um, at this point in time. Questions before we go. All right. Any question either from. The part where we talked about rest and refreshing or where we talked about how to get people filled with the holy ghost all right any question please shoot your question if you tried i mean maybe you prayed for someone at some point i not get filled uh you want to ask about that or you want to share <clears throat> share your experience okay okay so good questions and experiences or yeah, you want to share, please go ahead. The floor is open. Hmm. No question. No question, no question. Okay. So are we saying everything was clear enough? If it was clear, please give a thumbs up. Let me sh- be sure we are together on this. Um, if everything was clear, enough, please let's know. Everything was clear. Okay, no. Okay, relax. So your hand is up. Thank you. Anyone else? Everything was clear. Okay, Two Thumbs up. Udara, thumbs up. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Okay, so let me ask us then. Have you ever tried... Okay, okay. thank you. Thumbs up. Have you ever tried leading anyone to into the baptism of the Holy Spirit? That's, have you tried leading anyone to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Anyone like that? If you've done that, let me see, please. Um. Let me know. By the way, um, Ariel Ebenezer, your hand is up. I guess it's up from the last time. So just put it down so I'm sure when you're lifting up your hands again. Okay, so has anybody ever tried attempted leading anyone to the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Want share your experience? Anybody like that? Hmm. Nobody? Anybody, anybody, okay. Um, Ariel, if you're speaking, we can't hear you, oh, we can't hear you, oh, we still can't hear you, ah, unfortunately we can't hear you, um, please. I'm not sure if it's network or the device, but just checking we Can't hear you. But while we're waiting for you, their experience with leading someone in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Anybody? An area, we can't hear you. I'm not sure what the matter is, but we can't hear you yet. Okay. So no other person, hmm, interesting. Okay, so let me ask now, if you would try, if you would make an attempt, right? Based, if, you are, if you feel confident to make an attempt based on today's study, let me also see your hands up or thumbs up. Let me see who is willing to make an attempt.
1: Okay,
0: can you hear me now? Okay, good, perfect, we can hear you now. Okay,
1: so let me give a very simple... One experience I was serving one time and there's a lady that is a Catholic and she said, oh, she has plenty of problems in her life. And she wants God to help her <coughs> and solve the problems. And as she was speaking, the Holy Ghost told me the problems will go when she's speaking in tongues. And I found it difficult because she's a Catholic and just the doctrinal difference, okay? So okay. like you earlier shared, Taking time to explain, n- explain, show from scripture removes the barrier. Mm-hmm. So I did that, and then I told her, "Let's pray fast for three days," and I, and I did the three days because not because we couldn't get it immediately, but because I found that as I spoke to her, her mind was already like in a framework. Like I need to work to get it, and mm-hmm. truly to get the Holy Ghost, you don't need to work. Okay, you don't mm-hmm. need to work. So I let her do the three days fasting. And on the third day, she just busted praying in tongues. It was like volcano, boom. And she didn't stop. She was, I mean, 4 a.m., I was hearing one sound in my window. I came out. I thought it was a bird. When I came out, it was the girl praying in tongues. I was so excited. She was washing clothes. She was praying in tongues. She was washing mm-hmm. plates. Then to the next day, was all her old friends, she just cut you know, or from them, and that's one thing, praying in tongues redefines people's priorities, people's taste of friendship, relationship, you know, yes. redefine their values, and that also happened, let me share one more, there's another person who believed that, you know, speaking in tongues is just for pastors, you know, some, they say, I know that it's in the Bible, but it's not for me, she told me no. clearly, I know it is in the Bible, but it's not for me, then I showed her where Paul said, I want you all, I wish to all pray in tongues, 1 Corinthians 14. Then she said, okay, I know now from the Bible that it's for all of us, but it's not now. I am like, what kind of spirit what is this? I felt like the devil was fighting me. Then the Holy Spirit said, look at the Bible again. I looked at the Bible and verse five say, now. Mm. I, will, I just said, sister, look at this Bible. If you believe Psalms 23, then believe this other part of the Bible. The Bible say now. Yeah. So it is both for you and it is now. And you know, all this experience helped me in speaking to people, convincing them, just just removing that, I'm that girl. She didn't speak in tongues now, oh. I'm telling you. Wow. It was later. She, You know, some people are ashamed. Some people are ashamed in public, they are ashamed and that's another thing, you have to apply wisdom. For those who are ashamed, you take them to a private place, let them express themselves. Or you tell them lock your door, lock your door, don't let anybody in and pray very well. One day she came and met me, Beniza, that your thing. I'm doing it small, small. I'm like, what is my (laughs) team? So I bless God for those experiences. I'm just going to say maybe one other thing that again that you may have to explain maybe not today's class mm. is some people some people I met a very wealthy man, young wealthy man, who was asking me questions speaking in tongues, but he was saying, "What what do you do with your mind? What do you do?" And I began to explain to him how you can lift up a request in your heart yeah. and make it a focus, mm-hmm. and pray and keep your mind in one place. So. Yeah for him that was his limitation to speak in tongues because he said what happens to his mind he's wealthy he controls his office controls workers control but he feels that like when he, pray in tongues, he lose control he's out okay. of control so he wants to know what and, and just help him know that he can sustain a prayer in his heart and mm-hmm. pray into it and the lord will give him inspiration so these three experiences uh, one of my
0: favorites I like to share in speaking in tongues. Thank you, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, I mean, again, I, I keep referencing us back to the study we did. I believe we covered this, um, some of these things, right, in the study we did about speaking in tongues. Um, yes, but again, if, if after listening to the study, you still have questions, please, by all means, you can reach out to me in the group, or you want to send me a pri- private message, that's fine. Um, but yeah, reach out to me so we can answer the questions. One, and, and, I'll, and let me just say this as we close. Why we are looking at this is because of late I've, I've sensed in my spirit an emphasis on the Holy Ghost, right? An emphasis on people, Christians now, understanding how to work with the Holy Spirit. So, in fact, even the course, over the course of next month, right? And I don't know how long this so will be, at least for next month, we would explore different. Dimensions of our work with the Holy Spirit because we live in a day and time where we really need to know how to work with the Holy Spirit all the more. All right. So we're going to look at that. Okay. Thank you so much, everyone, um, for joining us. Um, let us say a word of prayer before I take announcements and we go, right? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for everyone that's joined us today. Thank you for teaching us your word. Thank you for speaking to us. We ask that the word we, ha- we have received we would find um, expression in our lives in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask that the things we've learned, you help us put them into practice and the opportunities you would bring our way for us to lead people to the baptism, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Father, we ask that you help us to be courageous in such opportunities and not, not um, fear or, or, or shy away from it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, dear Lord. We declare that your truth is embedded in our hearts, In the name of Jesus Christ, we've prayed. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right. So I'll just make um, two announcements before we go. First of all, right, we are having our physical meeting on the 4th of September. So 4th of September is about two weeks or less. um, Actually, less than two weeks from now, um, which is really next week, Saturday, actually so the details will be communicated to everyone of us in the group right um i mean we just just say anyways it will be the same venue we had the last one all right but details will be communicated to us clearly right in the group and we'll see it on our social media and everywhere right so fiscal meeting like we did i think the last one we held was was it july or june um, right i think june or july i don't remember exactly now but we we held that and it was really fantastic so please uh, mark your calendars. 4th of September, we have a fiscal meeting. So fiscal meeting is where we come fiscally to a location um, for those of us in Lagos, right? Come fiscally to a location and we spend time together in God and learning and fellowshiping with one another. All right? So that's happening on the 4th of September. Please mark your calendar. You can begin to invite someone. All the details and links will be shared um, before the end of this week. All right? So lastly is if you haven't joined our WhatsApp group, um, please do so. And I want to put the link. Let me just put, not not so, again, the link to our WhatsApp group and other links that could be helpful. I think this would help us. So link to our community, sorry, to our WhatsApp group, to our podcast, to our videos, and all of that. So those are the links. Please do so, um, whatever link you, you need, please, you'll find it right there, all right? And then lastly, is there anyone joining us for the first time today? Um, Okay, I don't think so, all right? All right, so I don't see anyone joining us today for the first time. Please invite someone next week. Next week we're looking at, sorry, next week is is the last Tuesday, so we're praying, as always, we're devoting next week's Bible study to um, prayer, so it's going to be a prayer session, all right? Details will be released to us um, during the course of the week as well. Okay, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. God bless you abundantly. Oh, and lastly, what we decided to do is, um, if so when we close, I'm going to stay online for five minutes, just in case anyone wants to have any chats at all, or just say hello, hi, just to, you know, banter, just say stop, right? So I'll be available at least for five minutes after the recording ends, after we say bye-bye. Okay. All right. So thank you so much, everyone. God bless you. Have a wonderful week ahead. Have a wonderful rest of the week. Bye. Thank you.